Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I am your host, Aubrey. And I'm Davey, and we are so glad that you guys are joining us. Today, we have an incredible episode with yes, Jesse we do. Bradley, uh, who's a former professional soccer player um, and now is the pastor of Grace Community Church in Seattle. And I'm telling you, this guy is absolutely on fire. This is one of those, Charlie. you know, Aubrey, we were talking about this at, at one point. We have some of these really heavy episodes yeah. that are very, sometimes very difficult to listen. You're wading through this and you're like, wow, this is so rich. This is so good, but this is heavy. And then you have yeah. to take a breath afterwards. And, you know, we, we wouldn't blame you if like you had to take a, a week off of listening to you know, these <laughs> totally. podcasts. They're, they're right, just that right. heavy, right? Sometimes we have to. Right, yes. <laughs> right. There's only so much of wading through other people's pain that you can, that you can do. And although that encourages you, sometimes you just need that like breather. And I think this is one of those breather episodes. Like yeah. this is one of those that's going to inspire you. Absolutely. Jesse has a story of pain that is going to mm-hmm. relate to so many of you guys. It's a, a mm-hmm. chronic illness that he dealt with. Um, and we'll let him talk about that, but it catapulted him into a new purpose. And now I'm telling you, this guy is absolutely lit on fire for Jesus, for the kingdom, for the church. And, uh, you're going to get inspired by this. Like you're going to walk away and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to run through a brick wall right now. That is so true. <laughs> go, like, he is, like, he is going to ignite you and activate you. That is so accurate. When I even listened to just your part, your conversation with him, I didn't even get to meet him. And yeah. I was like, Oh, Oh, I'm, I'm going to save my neighborhood. Like, And you're right. He's got it's a so story true. of pain, but this is a very, I mean, this guy is coming from a joyful, passionate place. So I, I affirm what Davey just said. This is a breathing episode that we think you're really going to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. If this episode ministers to you or if any of our episodes have, would you do us a favor and go and rate and review the Nothing Is Wasted podcast on Apple Podcasts? Um, It encourages us. We love to read your reviews. It um, keeps us in the game, to be honest with you. We need some of those. That provides a lot of breath for us. We're like, man, this is helping people. We want to keep waiting through the difficulties of people's pain. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you, just to encourage us, would you go and do that? But it also helps to get this into other people's um, purview so they can see and be exposed to these stories. Um, And so let's do this, Aubrey. Let's just go ahead and dive in to my conversation with Jesse Bradley. Well, Pastor Jesse Bradley, thanks so much for joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Davey, I'm thrilled to be here. I love what you're doing and appreciate your style. This is really authentic. You have such a heart for people that are going through pain to experience healing and restoration. Mm. And I love it that we're going to have a conversation about that today. Man, thank you so much. Well, you know, I think, I think, and you know this because we're going to hear a lot more about it with your story, but I think when you walk through something as horrific and terrible and tragic and all of those things that I've walked through and that you've walked through and so many other people who are listening to this, it, you don't have time for the pretense, right? You don't have time to play the game. It, it's, you know, life is, life, life is, uh, it can be, it's short and it's painful and it's tough and it's difficult. And yet, God is good, and that's what we want to make sure that everybody hears within all of this. And um, I just I love your story because of that. And I love the presence that you bring, how you present, and how you talk about your story. And so I'm excited to have you on 
uh, to talk about this, man. This is going to be great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I want to encourage people that there's a hope greater than the challenges that they face right now, that God is there. He still has a plan. He's good. He can redeem the worst times in our lives. And, uh, you know, that's an opportunity to grow when we go through painful stuff. And that's where my life was transformed and love to share that. And really, when we're raw with one another, we're vulnerable, we're transparent, that's where God moves the most. And so, you know, let's go there as much as we possibly can. I love it. I love it. Well, before we dive into your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us what you do, where you live. Tell us about your family. Um, Let's get to know Jesse Bradley a little bit. I'm currently living in Seattle. It's felt like home. We've been here about seven years. And so, yeah, go go Hawks, go Sounders. Shout out to all the teams. (laughs) We do a faith and family night with Seattle Sounders. Uh, So much fun. We're doing with... One of the Tacoma Stars coming up uh, as well in two months. But Lori and I have four children, three biological, one adopted. We just love all four kids. We're so grateful how God's brought our family together. We went through, you know, several miscarriages. And when you go through that, it's really a situation where you don't take any child for granted. Every child's a blessing. And, you know, when we were first um, together, you know, Lori was pregnant. We saw that pregnancy test. It, It was not even on our mind that we wouldn't have that child. And then a few months in, when we lost that child, now, you know, the second time, it's like we're praying from day one. Wow. You know, God, please protect, please provide. And so yeah. that's part of our journey. We also have a very patient dog named Bella, who is so good <laughs> with the kids. Uh, our, our kids are, you know, teenage and preteen. So we've got 11, 11, 13, and 15, close in age, a lot of action, lots of energy, three boys and a girl. And then we have one noisy hamster named Bella, and mm. Bella's uh, Kiwi. Kiwi. Bella's a dog. Kiwi's a hamster. <laughs> Kiwi started out in my daughter's room because she had waited years to have a hamster. And then <laughs> on the second night, first night, she was like, Dad, I didn't sleep much last night, but keep Kiwi here. Second night, she's like, Dad, you got to take Kiwi out. At like midnight, she wakes me <laughs> up. And then Kiwi just keeps moving further and further away from where we all sleep, but still in our house. And uh, we appreciate Kiwi too. So that gives you, we've got, you know, front front yards basketball, backyard soccer, trampoline. There's Nerf guns. You won't find a day in our house where there aren't like 15 Nerf um, bullets sitting around the house. Wow. And you just keep finding more in the food. It's just everywhere. So we live a pretty active lifestyle. Have a lot wow. of fun, laugh, and uh, it's it's also the house that's the magnet or the hub on our block. And so you'll just keep hearing the doorbell <laughs> ring, and that's a good thing too. So that that's a picture that's of life awesome. in Seattle. That's awesome, man. That's so fun. That's so fun. I mean, and, and what a busy house, right? I'm sure it keeps you keeps you extremely busy, all kinds of activities going on. But you know, you're also, um, from what I understand, you're a pastor as well. And so the life of ministry is definitely not a boring life, full of ups and downs. And um, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the the church that you're at? So true. In the last two years have probably been the most difficult yeah. two years of ministry across the board for people that have been in ministry, let's say 20, 30 years, are saying this is the most difficult stretch right, right now. Right. And I'm at Grace Community Church. We started in, 19, uh, in the 1950s. Billy Graham came to Seattle, wow. and it was out of that outreach that a Bible study formed, and now our church, we're coming up on our 70th uh, birthday uh, in a couple months. Wow. And I love our church. We're truly multi-generational. We're now multicultural. Uh, it's a vibrant church. Love our team. And we're in an area in Seattle that's the second highest de-churched in the country, ninth highest unchurched. 
So it's an environment where there's millions of people who don't follow Jesus. And I come from a family kind of like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors spiritually. And that's true of our region as well, the Pacific Northwest. Seattle's, they say it's one of two cities where there's never been a major revival, Seattle and San Francisco. Mm. So that that gives you a feel. Less than 5% of the people are going to a church uh, in our city. And that's a spiritual environment, the cultural environment. And I'm part of a ministry where I lead with, it's called Saturate the Sound, about 100 churches united together. And we know we need wow. each other. That's Jesus' prayer in John 17. Let's be united so the yeah. world would see Jesus and his love. Wow. And so we're trying to grow in our unity together. We have about 10 different cohorts that are different locations. Wow. And I'm just excited, the unity that exists right now. So we're praying for a revival. We're praying for God to do an amazing yeah. work, a move of the Spirit yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. And I love being here. I truly do. Man. I love that. I love that. So many times you see churches in turf wars and, you know, they, they compartmentalize, you know, and they, they kind of go off into their own little world and they don't want to collaborate, don't want to cooperate. And that's very unfortunate. And I believe that God blesses that spirit of unity, right? Absolutely. Um, You know, in my experience too, in different cities, like you say, in some places it's been competitive, weird, and distant, resentment. At best, the pastors would get together and maybe pray a little bit or have a lunch together. That was at best. But where we're trying to move things and move the culture would be that joining together in a city, we're not just here for good relationships and fellowship, although that's important. Trust is central in any relationship. But we want to be on mission together. We want to support each other. So now, like, we've got a couple church plants in Auburn, and we want to bless them. You know, one of the church plants recently, we gave chairs, we gave Bibles. Wow. Like they, if they said, hey, can we use your baptism? You know, it's like, what can we do right. to gather? A church plant's not yeah. a threat. Like, we need more churches. And so That's let's right. really, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's move aside our logos and egos. Let's walk together. Yeah. Jesus has one body. You know, let's live that out in radical ways. And okay. let's not lower the bar so it's just a gathering together for, you know, a meal once in a while. Yep. Like, let's yep. really walk and reach our city together. There's a geographical calling. If you're all placed in the same city, that's not accident. God has designed that in the body. So then let's, I like the word collaborate that you just mentioned. And that's the word. That's the goal. That's the culture. And it starts with trust, but then we got to do things together. We just did a serve our city, invitation Sunday, uh, just some beautiful steps. And we're all praying and fasting right now for three weeks together. And, you know, just walking together, walking together in love and truth. I love that. I know we're not necessarily on here to talk about that. We'll jump into your story here in a second, but I do want to, maybe there's some pastors who are listening to this and just can be encouraged by this. But, you know, we talked a little bit before we jumped on and about kind of the strangeness or peculiarity about what kind of we do as a ministry, right? As we're walking alongside the church and we're trying to figure out all of these different, it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an online content type ministry and it's a, you know, coaching ministry. But the thing that we're finding that is allowing us to reach more people faster is collaboration. Yes. We're collaborating. And that in the parachurch world, oftentimes that's the name of the game. Everybody knows mm-hmm. we got to lock arms and do this together because there's no networks or church planting that or denominations out there for parachurch ministries, you know? And so how do we do this together and how do we, and I've found such a beauty in the kingdom. And then I look mm-hmm. back and go, man, I wish the church, right? I wish the church could really grab a hold of this because 
every church is an instrument in the kingdom, in the orchestra of the kingdom of God. You play a specific part for a specific season. And if everybody came together, we could get the full orchestra of what God wants to do in the kingdom. Great picture, the orchestra together. We partner with World Vision, and that's for clean yeah. water, you know, half marathon. We just partnered with Global Media Outreach. We saw about 15,000 come to know the Lord in a digital outreach. Wow. And it's that partnership. You can't do it alone, but together. And I think with churches, like you pointed out, sometimes churches are the last ones to come together, and senior pastors, yeah. lead pastors, the last ones. We know the devil wants to break down unity, so he's right, at work. Right. And I believe the world is watching in a divided nation. Like, is there any unity? And what an opportunity right now for the church to be united. And so often people going to church want more unity. They're celebrating when it happens. But sometimes it's the leadership in the church that's most reluctant. And maybe there's some fear in there where it's like, you don't want to lose your key people. What if they switch churches? Well, there's just going to be sheep shuffling and church shopping anyways. You're not going to stop that. But I think (laughs) we can just hold it loosely you know, and trust the Lord. And it's one kingdom. It's one family. I was talking to two pastors that are, you know, seasoned. And looking back over their ministry, I said, what's the one thing that you would do differently looking back over all the years? And you know what they both said? I would have poured into the other churches in my city much more. Instead of with the resources, with the gifts, with the people, I would have built up those churches. Because when I leave, it's not just how did my church play things out, but what was the state of the city? And when we have ownership of the city and and we don't just, you know, think of our little mini kingdom, although it's not a kingdom, it's Jesus' church, but instead of our little building and, you know, instead of just that small vision, but if we have a vision for a measure of success, different scorecard, you know, how's the city doing? And for the city to thrive, we need all the churches to thrive. And if God moves in the city, every church is going to be blessed. So instead of stingy and hoarding, let's hold it loosely. Instead of a mindset of scarcity, of abundance, and let's trust the Lord. So that's, that's, right. that's what we're seeing. We don't have it down here, that. you know, but but it's percolating, yeah. it's growing, and the culture's that's changing. That's exciting. And, and I love what you said, Davey, how in your ministry right now, I mean, so many people are going through pain. There's such a need. I mean, denominations are reaching out to you. You know, there's the podcast, the coaching, the training. And when God's moving, I, I really feel like you want to move with the cloud and don't quench the spirit. Like, just don't get in the way. Don't mess it up. And there's been so many things I've seen or been involved in where it's form, but no fire. Like, like the Mm. form is logical. The plan looks good on paper, but the spirit's not moving. And and I think, like, we've just grown too accustomed to, like, wow, great form, a little bit of fire. And I would so much rather have, like, the fire, the healing, the power. (laughs) Like, I don't want the former religion. Like, we want the love and the power. And then where the spirit moves, let's let God write the script. And then, you know, that's exciting. That's the way to live in ministry. And and so I I just love your approach to it and uh, where the Lord's taken this, and I like to say there's no limits with God. There's no limits to what God can do in 2022. In a pandemic, there's no limits to what God can do. And yes, you know, going through the book of Acts, they're getting killed. And yes, we need God's healing. And yes, we're in pain. And yes, we're grieving. We just had someone die of COVID. We've had four people die recently of COVID. Like, it's it's brutal. You know, widows at a young age. And we're watching that. There's tears. So, 
I don't minimize any of the pain we're going through. We need to care for one one another. But we also need to equip one another, and then we also need to advance, advance the truth and the love and the gospel. And we need to be out serving in our cities, and and it's all the above. And so I feel like what you're doing touches on all those, and I just say, yeah, keep fanning that flame, because God's given you a gift, He's given you a calling, and there's a great need right now. And and I think we sense that through this ministry. Yep. That's great. I love that. You know, pain to purpose, right? But we all have this journey that we have to understand how God wants to repurpose that pain and then carry it out onto mission. That's your story, man. I mean, this mm. you are a great example of that. And so, I, you know, I'd love our listeners to hear a little bit about that. I mean, you went through this, what, 10-year battle of just like this unending pain, it seems like. Uh, take us back, start us at the beginning and tell us what happened. Yeah. You know, pain, I do believe fuels a passion and a purpose, and sometimes a new passion and new purpose. C.S. Lewis says that pain is that megaphone that rouses a deaf world. And pain is when we go deep with God. Pain is when we become more teachable. Uh, Pain is when we realize we're not self-sufficient, and we need God, and we need one another. And the moments of pain in my life actually have turned into the very areas, I think, that I connect with people in the deepest way. And and I believe that the greatest experiences in life come out of the worst circumstances. I mean, you think of our experience of salvation, that Jesus, I mean, what's worse than a perfect son of God, the Messiah, being murdered on a cross? And salvation comes out of that. And I believe that God does his greatest work in the darkest moments of our life as well. And when I think about my pain, and we all have a different journey, and you can probably highlight the couple of points in your life where pain has been the most intense. And uh, for me, you know, two of them stand out. One is when I was seven years old and my parents got divorced. And, And it was this intense conflict, and they didn't know the Lord. And it was this battle in the home. They were barely hanging on. It was my seventh birthday, and they were done. And it was like, okay, we can't get divorced on Jesse's birthday, so we'll wait till the day oh, after. You know, we could just all feel geez. it. And and watching dad leave, and it's like, my pillars are gone, the disruption, the division, it'll never be the same. It's out of my control. And that oh. is just brutal for, for a kid to go through. And I didn't have God in my life at the time. I didn't believe in God growing up, and I went to some counseling Counseling is helpful to a degree, but it didn't bring the deep healing in my life. And counseling is, can be great. God can use right. that, a wonderful instrument. But again, I didn't have God. And so where I turned were to sports and to academics and that combination and friends. And I thought, okay, I can't control what's going on with my parents, but I can do well in school. I can excel as an athlete and I can have great friendships. And that's what I built my life around. And my main coping mechanism at that time was just persevere and do better in the areas I'm involved. And that has some value, but it also has a low ceiling. It's not complete. It's not, wow. it's not going to handle all the pain. But it helped me through that. And that was my life. You know, three sports in high school, state championships, went to Dartmouth College on the East Coast. It's an Ivy League school. We won the Ivy League title a couple years. I was a goalkeeper, made to the final eight. You know, my dream ever since I was three years old was to play professional sports. And I told my parents that we lived in Minnesota on campus, the Golden Gophers, Big Ten, University of Minnesota. (laughs) And I'd go to all the games. The barn would just be, you know, just rocking. And if you're in Minnesota, it's the winter. You don't have a lot to do. 
and you got a lot of cooped up passion. And so when people go to the sports games, I mean, literally the stadium would shake. And I was just saw that passion. I was like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And that dream held true. And uh, so soccer, professional soccer, I played overseas, Scotland, Africa. When I was in Africa, I took a prescribed medication to prevent malaria. And it built up toxic levels in my system. Didn't happen right away. It was over the course of many months. And eventually, my body started to uh, just shut down. And there were symptoms that almost seemed unbelievable. Like I had migraine headaches. I've never had those in my life. Couldn't handle any light, any noise, crazy dreams. Then uh, sweats and chills. I couldn't regulate my body temperature anymore, double vision. Uh, My heart started to beat 160 beats a minute just sitting still. It led to atrial flutter, skip beats, heart murmur. And then waves of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, was like, what is going on? Like I was a you know professional athlete yeah. and I knew my mind, I knew my body and I knew how it worked and everything was rolling. And then all of a sudden it was this storm and this just massive disruption and my abilities were disappearing. And the physicians sent me back. This is from Zimbabwe. They sent me back to America, went to a, paid out of pocket, went to a doctor and Stanford, and he said it could be one of 10 things. And one of the possibilities was side effects of the drug. And at that time, uh, he didn't think it was probably that, but I knew that's what it was. And this wow. was a powerful moment where God met me as I prayed about it because it was prescribed and the drug needs to be taken for another month after you return because, again, malaria can lay dormant and you have to keep taking the drug for another month. Well, I told the doctors and all my doctors said, keep taking the drug. And I told all of them, I'm done with the medication. And then we had my blood sent to the center of disease control and they confirmed extremely dangerous, toxic levels of the drug in my system. And that prayerful decision of listening to God's still voice, and I'm not saying you should always go against the doctors, but I am saying that God's voice is more important than any other voice in your life. And and that saved my life because if I would have kept taking that for another uh, month, I I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. And I was literally, it was so intense. Um, I would at night have so much pain in the left side of my chest. You know, I I moved back in my parents' house in the basement. They just set up like a baby monitor to see what help I might need in the middle of the night. Um, My heart would have episodes. I mean, it was just really completely out of control. The doctors didn't know how this was going to turn out. Some people didn't make it. Some people never back in the right mind. I mean, it was like a massive drug overdose. And just waiting because the half-life is a month. It doesn't move out of your system quickly and no guarantees. And took 10 years to fully recover. But I got to tell you, out of that, I discovered a new hope. And the Lord made so many major shifts in my life that I don't think would have happened if I didn't go through that pain. And maybe you can relate and you'd have a similar story that because of the pain you went through, that God redirected you, he transformed you in deep places. And one of the shifts for me was my identity. I didn't even realize it, but my identity was in being a soccer player, being a friend, uh, performing well, or good grades, school. And it was all in a big performance trap. And if your identity is in your performance, you're either going to be, you know, inflated and you're going to be on a high because you're doing well, or you'll be deflated and there'll be like shame because you know you haven't performed. And who you are is not what you do. And it might sound basic, but I got to tell you, I was stuck in that in my 20s. And the major shift, your identity is like an anchor. And where are you going to drop that? 
And yeah. I had to shift from all the performance things in my life and move my identity over into God and His love because everything else can be lost. Friends can be lost. Right. A career can be lost. Soccer can be lost. The only thing I have that cannot be taken away is God and His love. And so wow. that that was a big identity shift right there. And um, D- Davey, I'm talking a lot, but I, I should mention one other piece right, of the story. Talking. Okay, all right, thanks. You give me some freedom here. Uh, preachers, right. that, that's the danger of bringing that's on a right. preacher, you know, uh, who feels safe and who just loves your, your podcast <laughs> and your theme. And so uh, I came to know the Lord at Dartmouth. I didn't believe in God. I took a religion class and wasn't looking for God. The professor didn't follow Jesus. He assigned mm. many texts, first time I ever read the Bible, the Gospel of John. And even though he criticized it and undermined it, the Bible is powerful like no other book. And I started yeah. to learn about Jesus and I was captivated and asked hundreds wow. of questions, met my first Christian. If you're a Christian, don't hide, don't be silent. No one ever talked to me about Jesus until this guy named Mike, and he was introvert, quiet on my dorm floor, patient, but he was the real deal. And I'd read the Bible and I'd read Mike. And I'd read the Bible and I'd mm. read his life. And there's a lot of people, if you're a follower of Jesus, they're not reading the Bible, but they're reading your life. And if they see something wow. in your life that's real, they might be more interested in Jesus. And then let them ask questions. Let them wow. just share, you know, let them kick the tires. And that's what Mike did. And I put my trust in the Lord sophomore year, and I knew he had eternal life, knew that my sins are forgiven, and I have peace with God, security. Wow. And, and so that's when I was overseas, I was a new believer in the Lord. But there were so many shifts that hadn't happened yet. Identity yeah. was was one of them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that identity piece because, you know, I feel like, you know, really, you could almost boil all of our journeys down to that component right there. I mean, you, lo- you look at it, we, we've talked about this before, but you look at it like the, the Israelites journeying through the wilderness. Mm-hmm. That entire journey was an identity shift. Yes. Right? Yes. Going from slaves to sons, so to speak. Great. But it was through these really difficult times that they were put in positions that they had to rely on and depend on God, that he was teaching them yes. that they were sons, that he would provide, he would deliver, he would rescue, all of those things. Amen. And 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 I, I look at that, I look at your story, and it causes me to to ask some questions because if idolatry is something that a lot of us, you know, out of that identity, we, we, we place our kind of our hope and our worship into these things that are the created things, not mm-hmm. God the creator. Mm-hmm. If if idolatry is something that God is is trying to move us out of, and yeah. these situations instigate that, they catalyze that, right? As you said, this was a big shift. This pain that you went through shifted that identity and idolatry in you. Mm-hmm. To what degree... I'm asked this is a pastor question because this mm. is where we like wrestle. Yeah. To what degree does God cause those things? Yeah. Yep. And to what degree does he allow those things? You yes. know, like is God is God like an idol smasher, you know? Mm. Or is he just allowing these or, or is he just using these things? You know, and, and I, I feel yes. like it's usually a big both and, but kind of talk to me about your how you would yes. You know, how, how, how do you deliberate between those two things and, and, and ride that tension? It's such a good question. Intention's the right word. You know, for me personally, for people I care for right now, you know, what do I say to this man who just lost his wife this week when we're all praying and she died right. of COVID? You know, and I know he's just wondering, like, why didn't God show up and heal her? Yeah. And, and for me, the messiest theologically is to think about God's protection, 
because, uh, yes, he protects us all the time in ways we can't even see and in angels right. and from bad decisions and from ourselves. Like his protection is so real. And yet at the same time, it's his to call us home. Home is with him. Our lives are not our own. And how much is he going to protect me along the way? You know, when I'm reading you know, Acts chapter 12, you get James is killed by Herod. And then Peter has angels, and he escapes from prison. You know, how yeah. come James gets sliced up, and then Peter becomes yeah. this miracle testimony? And under God's sovereignty, you know, you see both in the Bible. Some God allows, but He's not happy. I mean, when Cain kills Abel, God's not in that. Like God right. says, that's wrong. And yet there's other times where the Babylonians become an instrument as Habakkuk wrestles through. And it's like, right. okay, Babylonians went too far and they sinned, but yet that was part of the in instrument of discipline. And yeah. there's going to be a lot of why did that happen that we're not going to fully understand this side of heaven. I, I think, what God, what do you want me to do now is, is probably a better question right. for moving forward than why. But we wrestle with the why. And for me, stepping out of faith where I both feel like in Africa, God, you clearly didn't prevent. <laughs> I don't know what you allowed, what you caused, but I'm not feeling as protected as I desired. And yet also going through it, God, I need your protection. And where God started to break me down, because there's a breakdown before there's a breakthrough. And good, yeah. God breaks our pride. We're stubborn. God smashed me and then reshaped me. And one of the things he had to smash was my coping mechanism tendency. And again, it was white knuckle, perseverance, not cry, some denial, and just try harder. And that works for a lot of things in life, but it wasn't going to work for this. And what I had to learn, and it starts with your view of God. It always starts with your view of God. My view of God was that God was really interested in my success. He's not so interested in my failure, my disappointment, my pain. And for me to let him in and let other people in, because the truth is we need each other and we need God. And it was new for me, Psalm 62, 8, pour out your heart to God, trust in him, O people. I knew how to pray intellectually and theologically. I didn't know how to pour out my heart to God. Give God your burdens. He wants to carry your burdens. He wants to carry your anxiety. I didn't know how to hand that over to the Lord. But if I didn't hand it over, it would crush me like a 500-pound weight. Like there was no way I could walk under all of this. And so letting God in, letting people in, crying while Jeff's watching, this is so new to me. And uh, in, in this prayer where I can give him burdens, I wrote down 10 things every day I'm thankful for, intentionally thanking God. You can't lose the gratitude. You just cannot. And then the power of the second thought, because the first thought in my mind was, you know, here comes another panic attack. What is my career going to be? There's no hope. Am I ever going to have my health back? You know, a suicidal thought. Like all these thoughts are pouring down. And I can't believe and harbor and entertain that first thought. And so instead, I say, okay, there's the first thought I don't have control over. But here's the second thought. I started to memorize the words, started to get some scripture, put that in my mind so my mind would stay out of the ditch. I was still grieving, but like someone with hope. And I needed to learn how to guide my mind intentionally. Paul says, think of what's true, noble, right, lovely, admirable. Consider those things. Be intentional with your thoughts. And that's the power of the second thought. Yeah, man, I love that thought of the power of the second thought, because, you know, at the end of the day, we can't control what happens to us, right? 
I mean, that's, that's right. things that are out of our control. And we talk to people all the time about, hey, you've got to delineate what are you in control of and what are you out of control of? And where we get upside down is where we think we're, you know, where we try to do something about the things we're out of control of, right? The things that only God That's can right. control. And then, and then we end up not doing something about the things that we actually can control, you know, or we end up doing the wrong thing or whatever. We react in a way that is going to be unhealthy to us and to other people. And so, yeah, this power of the second thought is really pivotal in terms of, okay, you're not going to be able to control everything that happens to you, but you can right. control how you respond to those things and what so you do good. with those things. Yes. And when God wants to do something new in your life, because I think all of us can relate to a season ending or life was going one way and it's not yeah. going that way anymore. And now we're going to move with God. You're going to trust God. You know, you're talking about the Israelites before. I love Numbers chapter nine, where they move with a cloud. The cloud stays, they stay. If the cloud moves, they move. And yeah. where is God moving? And I like to use the phrase, a new song. Because what I see in ministries and in people's lives is that some people are trying to live in the glory days of, you know, 10, 15 years ago, high school, whatever it is. And it's like yeah. they talk about life at its best back then, but we can't go back then. You know, celebrate right, right. it, but it's like y you can't just live in 10 years ago. And, and when yeah. I arrived at this church, it was a song of, you know, 20 years ago and where the church was at at that point. Then there's a second option, a second song where it's kind of like a dirge. And that's easy, like during the pandemic, to be in that mode, discouraged, despair, you know, and our heads are down. Well, the Bible says God's the lifter of our heads and lift our eyes right. up to the hills. Where does our help come from? And I believe we need to look forward and trust the Lord in a new song. And I didn't know what that yeah. was going to be, but I knew I couldn't live in the glory days of professional sports in Africa. I couldn't just live in the misery and the pain of what I had lost but instead, yeah. I had to take some steps forward, and you, you can't steer a parked car. And so we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't sit in there and camp in there. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and every trial will pass, but God has timing. And with the yeah. gentleness and tenderness, with the voice that says, this is the way, walk in it, I That's just right. sensed it was something new. And I had no idea to be a pastor. I had no idea going to ministry. I, yeah. I didn't know what was next, but God had already put things in me. Ephesians chapter 2 is so key in verses 8 and 10 because it says we're saved by grace. We don't earn it. It's 100% Jesus, 0% us. We receive the wow. gift. People all the time think it's 50-50. Most Americans think you earn your way to heaven. I'm saying most <laughs> Americans think a false right. gospel that we contribute. Right. Jesus does 80, I'll pick up 20, let's deal. No, 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 Jesus does it. It's finished, and we receive right. it. But then in ch chapter 2, verse 10, it says we're God's workmanship, his masterpiece. And I like what you said before about a symphony when we're all working together. And God goes ahead of us putting things in the path. He yeah. puts gifts in you, abilities in you, compassion in you. He puts opportunities in your path. And so just keep walking, keep in step with the Spirit. The story's not over. The best is yet to come. Yeah. And God had plans for me that I couldn't see, but we don't walk wow. by sight, we walk by faith. So tell me, how did that How did that actually play out in your life, you know? I mean, you're you're looking back on it right now and you're able to kind of share that in a way that's that's bite-sizable for us where we go, mm -hmm. yeah, that's truth. That that resonates with my spirit. But that's not what it feels like in the midst of it, right? You're kind of stumbling right. along the whole time. So how did how did that actually play out for you as you're trying to feel out what is this new song that God's yeah. leading me to? It's brutal in the moment. 
I mean, I lost the ability to drive. I could not handle driving. I mean, that's just terrible to have to relearn driving because any stimulation was just too much for my system, my heart, like just, I was so sensitive and I just, it wasn't safe to drive. So after a year, it's like learning how to drive again. So some of the steps forward are actually relearning some things and it's just going to be a lot of humble pie. Uh, In terms of ministry and starting to get involved, I knew I couldn't handle much, so I started to volunteer, and it was with a youth group in the closest church to our house, and it was a good, solid church, good, healthy church, and I just started to volunteer. And as I was able to have strength, then I became a volunteer intern, you know? Like, I was never (laughs) so thrilled to be a volunteer intern. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I remember different moments. So again, you just pointed out, it's not going to necessarily be an easy road. And I got to tell you, when I shared with my parents that I'm going to start getting involved and I'm even thinking about ministry, that that was a nightmare scenario to them. Uh, And and so that that support wasn't there. That just created more tension. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, he says to the Corinthians, a great door has opened up and there are many who oppose me. And I feel like that's the challenge, either within ourselves or the situation or some people but this is not just going to be like you skip down the lane and you're yep. whistling and, you know, it's it's fairy tale time. Uh, that's yep. not how it plays out. And for me, I remember it was this wild night, you know, games would get fun. And it was middle school. And, and I just thought, middle school, I don't think I can do this full time. Like, I don't think this is me. <laughs> and, and I remember just thinking, do I just go home and I forget about all this? And there were two big doors at that church. And we were playing this game where you go in and out of the doors and you're chasing people. And I just remember the Lord, there's a sense of the Lord saying, just keep walking through these doors. And I finished out that year and I finished out that internship. And you know, the next <clears throat> position I had was at a camp and that was a big step for me because I thought, wow, okay, do I have enough strength to maybe work at a camp? Yeah. And I couldn't handle it. I went wow. and then I got sick and came home. I went back, I got sick again. I went back, I got sick again. I mean, three times they sent me home. It was like, there's no way I can do this. And then there's a big question mark. Well, what can I even handle? You know? And so I found another internship and could I physically handle that? So I just want to, and when I went to seminary, it was a seminary where some people didn't want me to go into ministry and other people didn't want me to go to that seminary. And so at every turn, there's this, and what it all does is it brings you back to reliance. And the yeah. best place to be is relying on Jesus. John 15, yeah. he says it over 10 times, remain or abide. And if you abide, you'll bear much fruit. And Jesus says in John 10, listen to his voice, not the voice of a stranger. And I'll tell you, when God's in it, it's kind of like one of those candles. You know those birthday candles where they blow them out and then they come yeah. back and then you blow them out and it comes back? When God's in it, I'd say there's a joy, there's a sense of like compulsion, excitement, yeah. urgency. There's a sense of this is bigger than me. There's a sense of God's yeah. in this. And no matter what someone throws at it, it just that flame keeps coming back. And, you know, that's the ultimate goal in life is to be faithful to Jesus. And, and so ultimately, I'm not there to please somebody else. I, I can't, it'd be too big of a burden to try to everyone's view of what I should do and how I should do it. Like, I got to keep my eyes on Jesus, be faithful to Jesus. And and that's the right direction. That's the North Star. That's so good. You know, I'm, what I'm hearing about, like the early days of your experience in this is very consistent with so many people, right? In the terms of um, you get started out of the starting blocks 
with Jesus, right? You're, you're, you're starting to run this thing. You're excited. You're running the race, but you're, it's like all of this opposition is coming your way. And so many people stutter step and stumble there and then never get back up. Mm, And it, it, you know, it's almost like the first few steps of pursuing after God's call, the -hmm. first few steps of following Jesus are the hardest ones. It seems like, yeah, because you don't have that spiritual momentum yet. And, and it's the point that the enemy is going to really try to, you know, similar to the parable of the sower, right. And the four soils that we see where the seed's going to get scattered and it's going to get either plucked up really quickly. Cause if the enemy can pluck it up quick, then he's going right. to keep, keep you from, you know, moving forward. Or if he can get that, those weeds to choke you out, you know, the worries yes. and struggles of life to choke you out. And, yes. and yet if you keep persisting and perse- mm-hmm. persevering in that, mm-hmm. you start to gain mm-hmm. this spiritual momentum Yes, where you see God's faithfulness so that even when obstacles come your way, you can look back and point back and go, yeah, I've, I've had those obstacles, but God's come through and I know he Amen. will continue to come through, you know? That's right. Such a good perspective. Like Jesus, when he was baptized, I mean, the voice of the Father, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. And yeah. what a moment. And right after <laughs> that, in the wilderness, 40 days, the devil shows up and Jesus three yep. times quotes scripture. And I'll tell you, if you're going through a hardship, don't despise small beginnings. But like, right. you know, Davey, you just said, the devil's showing up at the beginning to try to snatch it, steal, kill, and destroy, and get the scripture, speak the scripture. In the times of temptation, in the times of doubt, in the times of worry, just land yeah. on the scripture, speak the scripture, and you're going to prevail. And that mindset shift of you're not just going through it, you're growing through it. It's not just to endure, but this is part of the growing process. And it's not happening to you, it's happening for you, because God works all things together for the good of those who are loved God and called according to his purpose. Even Joseph in the Old Testament said, they meant it for evil, but God turned it around for good. And that fire and that heat of the trial and the testing, that's the refining that happens. And that's when you get rid of sin. And that's when you focus on God and you go deep. And now it's not just a little religion on the outside, but this is a relationship with trust and honesty. And now things are starting to move and it it will be a lot of testing in it. But that refining, God is committed to this, to make us more like Jesus. And we don't grow on the mountaintops We grow in the hardships and in the valleys. If you go to California, you don't see a bunch of fruit and vegetables on top of the mountains. (laughs) I mean, you you know, it's in the valleys. That's where the fruit is. So um, it's easy to say. It's harder to go through. But just keep coming back to the Word. I got to tell you, that's what I poured into my mind. And, you know, input, output, garbage in, garbage out. Like, you got to feed. Just like you feed your body and your stomach every day, you've got to feed your soul. And the Word of God made such a difference in my life and my recovery. Just keep your mind in the Word. Let the Word dwell in you richly. That that was just so pivotal in in persevering. Uh, You know, I'm glad you... you kind of alluded to that just now, this, the idea that your mindset, but most importantly, the word of God getting sown into your heart and into your mind is really important in terms of recovery, recovery from anything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There, there is such a, there's such a correlation between, you know, the, how you're fixing your eyes and, and on whom you're fixing your eyes and how you're going to move through this. Because, and, and I guess this is kind of my question within that, it, for you is it was there a time during this 10 year season that 
that you were you were tempted to slip into this mindset or you did slip into a mindset that said, man, this this might be just how it's always going to be. Mm, right. You know, um, it gets tiring. So often people tell me this. They say, well, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> and, and I hear that and I'm like, that's not the Bible. Uh, that's not what Scripture says. And mm. actually... We have far more than we can handle on our own, yeah. but His grace is sufficient. That's so you can great. have confidence in God, His grace is sufficient, but on my own, it's far more than I can handle. Wow. And, wow. and I just kept coming back to that. And you know, the battle is between the mind, and that's where it all starts. And if you win the battle in your mind, if you win the battle between your ears, that's going to play out into every part of, right. of your life. And so it's important to pay attention. What's the culture? What are you believing? What's the truth? Yeah. What's the lie? And to identify yeah. the lies, the half lies, replace them with truth, that's what God wants to use to set you free. So you can become your full potential. You can become fully alive. Truth will be. And with truth, it's kind of like, ouch, that helps. And there's a lot of <laughs> repentance on that journey. You know, when I came to know Jesus, I just generally knew I'm a sinner, but it's not yeah. until you actually want to follow him that you realize just how deep that sin is and how much we need his truth and we need his grace. It's like when I was single, I didn't think I was that selfish. And, and then all of a sudden I get married. I'm like, man, my selfishness is showing up all over the place. Right. And so right. it really is a journey. I say there's no revealing before the healing. And mm. you've really got to get honest about the pain, about the sin, about the tendencies, the lies, and then mm. let God come in. I love that picture of a big house with lots of rooms. And there's a lot of people that have the Holy Spirit resident, but not president. Or he can come in three <laughs> rooms, but not 10 rooms, you know? And yeah, when yeah. you open up the doors, Psalm 24, open up the gates that the King of Glory may come in. I mean, yeah. that's the spiritual life. And I'll tell you, it's first receiving and then living. And so many people just wow. skip to the living and the doing and the performing. But I like to say abide and then respond. Abide is the relationship, the close, the trustness, and the receiving. And yeah. learning how to receive is the most important thing spiritually. Receive God's word, his love, his encouragement, his perspective, his thoughts and ways are above ours. You know, wow. learn, receive, be teachable. God will pour it in to anyone who's humble. He's just looking for who's teachable and who's humble, and he will pour it in. And then yeah. he's going to fill you up, and it's going to be an overflow. And that overflow is so much better than just a to-do list, like abiding, receiving, overflow, like that's the picture of the Christian life. And all wow. that was new to me. I'm still learning it. And um, you just got to keep, you know, that's why I think the Bible says like, mortify, kill the sin. <laughs> don't yeah. let it linger. Don't, don't say, oh, okay, that's fine. You say, not in my house. You know, if a thief wanted to come in tonight to my house, I'd say, not in my house. Uh, right, right. And the lies, the nonsense, the shame, the guilt, Jesus wants to take that away. Jesus yeah. wants to take it away. I see so many people that know they're going to heaven, but they're just carrying the shame and the guilt. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, Jesus wants to let them have that. Psalm yeah. 51, David says, you take away my sin, my shame, my guilt, and wow. let them have that. You're going to live. You're going to come back. You're going to proclaim yeah. him. You're going to know him. It's his grace and uh, rooted in grace, not fear and worry. Perfect love drives out fear. That's great. That's so great. You know, um, I, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit because I know there's that, you know, you have so many other passions in life. One of those things being adoption. 
right? Mm. I mean, yeah, having you know, obviously adopted a child, and this is something that you're extremely passionate about. You've become quite an advocate for. You know, how is that one? How is that ado- adopting a child? How is that colored? Kind of just your human experience and your, you know, understanding of the father, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and 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 on the coattails of that, um, what what do you think in terms of how the church should you know carry out the mission of adoption? Great question. You know, so the two yeah. questions. Sorry, back right to back right there. But how has yeah. that shaped you? Yeah. And then how do you feel like the church should really carry that out? Yeah, I'm so glad to talk about that because adoption's God's idea and it's a good thing. We're all adopted into God's family through Jesus. The yeah. father's committed to adoption and there's a high price. I mean, the son sacrifices. It takes sacrifice. When you think about the unity and you think about all of us welcomed into God's family, I mean, that's the yeah. story of adoption. It's our redemption, right. salvation. And so if it's important to God and it's on his heart, then what does that look like in our lives? And I think part of it came out of the pain and, the, again, the division and destruction of seeing my parents yeah. divorced and that loss. And, and when yeah. I see kids going through a loss and they don't have parents, like my heart just is moved to, to that, wow. that place, uh, that place of pain. And uh, the journey uh, for Lori and I, uh, when it comes to adoption, I, I believe every adoption story is a healing story. And it, it's also something that God led us and we ended up through foster care, adopting. And oh. we have a child who's black, a black boy, which, you know, our family, multi-ethnic, and that's been yeah. rich. I believe we need that in the body of Christ to learn from each other, different nations, that's different great. ethnicities, and what does even that look like in our own family? So, so that's been a journey together as well. Uh, it, it's quite a process. You know, there, there's a lot I could say. Um, let me share one thing that was interesting is just with foster care, there's prospective children, and you have to pray through after you go through the training, possible matches. And it is just so um, heartbreaking to see the situation that kids are in. Uh, when you hear that um, a child, let's say, will never be independent, or you hear that a child's been raped as a toddler, or you hear that a child's been physically, their mind, you don't know what functioning they're going to have growing up because they've been beaten. And then you try to make the decision, are we going to have that child in our home? Are we ready for that? And like trying to navigate through that. So it, it's eye-opening to see those realities. Um, we ended up had our son, you know, started to get to build a relationship with him. And it's quite a process. But I'll tell you a moment that was special is he came over to our house. He's four years old. And I have a little place, you know, it was kind of tucked away where I'd read my Bible. And he literally walked over to my Bible, opened it up, and then put his finger on a page and said, read this. And I looked down And the section is Ruth and Naomi. And Ruth is saying to Naomi, your people will be my people. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your be, God will be my God. And and I'll tell you, um, we're already, you know, praying and, you know, looking like he's going to be our, it's going to be a forever family, you know, forever home together. But that moment right there, uh, it's just a reminder of of God's love for us and that we are going to be together forever in in our family, in our new family. And so... um, 
it, it's it's messy. It's a healing process. Adoption yeah. might be one of the most difficult things you ever do, but I'll yeah. tell you, it's glorious. It is so much better than the pain you go through, and it's yeah. so worth it. And I would love to see the body of Christ um, step up in this area because, you know, what is true religion? To care for orphans, to care for widows. And I look at the foster care system, and I think if every church stepped up, we don't need a foster care system in America. It's true. We don't yeah. need it. We don't need it anymore. It's just we open up our lives and our homes, and some people will mentor, some will actually adopt, some will just be foster care, you know, in between, maybe a difficult stretch. Some are going to support adoption financially, some are going to pray a lot. But together, whatever your role is, like, this is one of those things that, like, we can do together. We don't need a foster care system anymore in America. And, And so as God leads you, in our church, I think we've had about 15 or 20 families that have adopted and there's one family that's just so amazing. They've had a thousand kids in their home through foster oh my care. Gosh. Wow. I mean, they're just, wow. they're some of my heroes. And it's Seriously. so inspiring. And there's such a trust that the county has that the most severe, intense situations and damage, they will bring those children to the family. And talk about the patience. When a child has been exposed to drug and alcohol, you know, in the womb, and there's there's just a lot of effects of that, just to hold and steady that child for months, you know, wow. knowing that that child's not going to be in your family forever, but you're just there to weather the storm. I mean, to me, I just see Jesus all over that. I see Jesus wow. all over that. And so, yeah, may, may God move all of our hearts towards adoption, towards caring for kids that don't have, um, and, and I'll tell you, it's just abundant. There are so many kids right now who are fatherless. There's so many kids without parents. Um, And and encourage single parents too. Don't dump guilt and shame on them. Just come alongside the single parents you see and just give them a gift card, you know, Uh, do what you can. And so, yeah, as the Spirit leads, it's God's heart. And and it did involve a lot of sacrifice for Jesus, but he knew adoption's wonderful. And, And I believe that's in our DNA. That's so good. I, you know, I, I, I wonder if there's a better, you know, ministry of healing in a lot of ways to, to, uh, mend what was severed. Right. I mean, it was never God's intention for anybody to be fatherless or for, um, families to be split or divided or broken up or anybody to be abandoned or orphaned. Right. And yet that's what his mission is for all of us is to like, as you said, to look after the alien, the orphan and the widow, to, look after the ones who are pushed out and cast out from society. And that's what he's asked his people to do. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I can, I can't help but notice and, um, that the tenderness in your voice, Jesse, as you talk about that, you can tell it's a very Mm -hmm. just tender thing for you, man. And like, I, I also have to imagine that that comes from this long journey of pain Mm -hmm. that you've walked Mm -hmm. and not just pain with, you know, the ramifications of this malaria medicine and the 10 years of that, the chronic illness there, not just pain from, you know, sorting through ministry and all that. And the, and not just pain from your um, parents' divorce, but all of those things combined. And, and, and I see in that the fleshing out of that pain to redemptive purposes and stepping Mm. into other people's stories. Mm. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing that and just seeing that. Yeah. I think of uh, the scripture where, God is a father to the fatherless, and I know voids and emptiness 
that I have in my life where Father God has come in and brought healing and, and filled what no person could fill. And I wow. think like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, he's the God of all comfort and he comforts us and so that we also can comfort other people. And yeah. I like to say you can't share what you don't have and so first receive. When you receive right. God's comfort, then you're going to have a comfort that you can talk about and share with other people. And you become an instrument of healing. And again, it starts with that receiving. And receive God's comfort in the fullness. I was talking to someone who went through so much this last year, and I was just trying to encourage her this last weekend saying, like, you're doing so well. You're you're healing. I can see God's given you strength. He's given you more hope. Like, it's powerful. And, and she says, well, shouldn't I just be doing more right now? And it's like, no, no, no. This is a season right now where you're healing. And as you're healing, you're able to do more. I mean, look at, and I gave her an example of something she did that was amazing. But um, it's that healing. And, and we're always going to need healing, but, you know, we're wounded and, and we're caring for other people. It's a both and. But I just really want to say drink deeply in the well of living water and drink deeply in receiving the healing of God and the forgiveness of God. So, you know, you're forgiven. You forgive yourself. You forgive others. Like, it flows. It's from heaven. It flows into our souls. And then it – and don't – Get in the way, quench, grieve the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. The devil's an accuser. The devil wants to come and tear you down. But I'll tell you, those are lies, and your father's good. He sings over you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's in the nearness, and it's in the the view of God for who he really is that the healing comes. Our God's a healer. He's a lifter of your head. And uh, his healing is powerful. It really is in deep ways. That's great. Well, you know, one more question. I know we've got a, you know, our time's coming to a close, but I, I, you know, a lot of times as pastors, like people don't know the treacherous waters that you walk when you're, when you're um, a pastor and and they don't necessarily know necessarily, you know, the, a lot of the pain that you you can't share and you don't, you know, it's sometimes not appropriate to share that, that kind of stuff. Um, Cause you're, you're, you're looking after the sheep, so to speak, you're, you're attending to other people's pain, but the reality is, is pastors carry a lot, carry a lot of weight, carry a lot of pain, as you alluded to earlier, especially in this season. You know, I just yeah. spoke with a friend of mine that, um, you know, has had to let go of several staff members for various reasons, moral failures or burnout, or you know, like mm-hmm. people coming to him saying, hey, "I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm out." That and just shocking, like just some of the you wear every single one of those, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. How would you say that all all of the pain that you've walked through and that you've had to carry, how has that helped you as a minister? Hmm. How has that helped you in in helping people? You know, mm-hmm. and and how do you how do you stay tender in those moments? Like, how do you stay tender in these seasons and not get jaded and calloused? Right. Right. Such a good question. Your, your questions are so insightful, and they're right on time. Uh, pastors right now, every staff transition's difficult. I mean, we've had a number of them here at Grace. Everyone is hard. You care for every person. You know, you, you, um, you just want to see the best for them, but sometimes it's not a fit, or there's just different things that happen. And um, in addition to that, for every pastor right now, it's like people— 
as the pandemic started to play out, people left the church because we didn't reopen soon enough. And then re- you reopen and people are upset and you leave. And then you say, we're going to put on masks and people are upset. You say, okay, we're not going to put on masks. People are upset. It's like, you can't win. And right. for so many pastors, that takes a toll. And, and I mean, right. we all feel it. And what do you do when you can't please everyone? And, yeah. and sometimes there's a deep work that needs to be done where someone needs to let go of that idol of thinking I can keep enough people and happy enough of the time. And, oh. and that that's what I'm trying to maintain underneath it all. And you've got to let go of that and say, okay, I'm going to come back to faithfulness with Jesus. I'm going to love people and I'm going to trust God with the results. And if someone misunderstands me, if someone criticizes me, someone slanders, someone gossips, you know, someone leaves the church or someone, you know, and, and so often, pastors are on the receiving side. Someone said it's hysterical because it's historical, mm-hmm. meaning that let's say someone has a wound from their dad, you know, and they've been carrying that for 20 years, and yeah. their dad's a certain way. All of a sudden, they see the pastor who's a, a leader, and they bring all that and sometimes the reactions, and it's like you're on the receiving end of something, and you're like, whoa, we just had something small, wow. and like, that's a massive reaction, right. you know? And, and so... It's a unique role being a pastor, not to uh-huh. mention the spiritual battles and, and yeah. the enemy would love to take out the leader. So all that is is exactly what a pastor goes through and, and more. Um, habits are really key. And the habits that God taught me going through that time with Africa are yeah. the same habits. Habits are small intentional actions that have massive results. Wow. And, and I like to say there's, there's four stages with habits. First, there's the unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know, right? And and then the next one, there's a conscious incompetence. Okay, like now I know I need to learn it, but I still can't pull it off. <laughs> and, and then there's the conscious competence where it's like you have to try really hard, focus really hard, but then it's like with God's help, you can actually do it. And then there's the unconscious competence where it's like you're not even thinking about it. You're just rolling. It's like as a little kid, you learn how to tie your shoe. You don't even know shoes are tied. It's like, oh, you see someone do it, you know, and then you try and you can't get it. And someone teaches you and you really focus. Now you just, okay, I can tie my shoe. Any habit is like that. It goes through those stages. And whether it's memorizing scripture you know, if it's the power of the second thought, replacing thoughts, that's a key habit. Uh, if it's prayer and pouring out your heart to God, one for me is just giving him those burdens. You know, we've yeah. got like a dashboard in the car. You've got oil, gas. Like, you've got to look, how am I doing physically? How am I doing spiritually? Right. How am I doing emotionally? And to be self-aware, to learn those things, and then to keep steady with the habits. This is one habit for me. It's every day, every morning. I read through three chapters of the Bible, and it might mm. not be an in-depth Bible study. You know, it's it's not necessarily that, but I mean, this is like, and I'm not saying it in any boasting way at all. Like, for some people, I'm more disciplined. Different things work for different people. But for me, it's been like, you know, God landed that on me over 20 years ago, and it's like, read through the Bible in a year, and it's just like, that's just what I do. And I'm someone that probably... Uh, it helps me to have some structure, you know? It's right. like, I just look at that's the day, those are the chapters. And I just let God's word wash over me in, in the yeah. morning. And that habit right there has maybe been the most fruitful of, of all the yeah. habits. But when you start to get in those habits, anytime you say yes to something, you say no to something else. And, and yeah. when you win the morning or when you say yes to certain habits, you're going to push other habits out of the way. And that yeah. replacement of those habits, you cultivate things in your life. And yeah. it's not always – when someone falls in this big, massive sin that everyone sees, it's just a buildup of thousands yeah. of small decisions. 
And the right. same other way, when you see someone flourishing, it's because they're listening to God and they're yeah. in step with the Spirit and they're cultivating and there's those habits. Yeah. And so my, my encouragement um, now is that the scripture that Jesus spoke to me then was Matthew chapter 7, like the winds, the storm, the, the streams are going to rise, and you're either going to listen to him and put his words into practice and have a house on the rock, or you're not, and it's going to be That's a house right. on the sand. And oh, I want my house on a rock. Like, oh, for my family, I want my house on the rock. And man, the only way that's going to happen is close to Jesus, trust his words, and just keep doing the habits. And and all the themes we've been saying that God does his greatest work in the most difficult times. And I believe right now, there's never been such an opportunity for a harvest I, like there's record amount of online searches for the word prayer. There's historic yeah. levels, and we're talking 75 countries, searches yeah. online for God. I mean, the hunger right now, people know things are not as they should be. Like, right. like they're looking for God, they're wondering, they're asking. It's like if the if the body of Christ right now would care for people, listen, share their stories, share about Jesus, go where people are, go online, right. like connect. Like, are you kidding me? Like right now, we could see a revival in America like we've never That's seen right. before. And as difficult yeah. as the last two years have been, it is fertile ground right now for a movement and a work of the That's Spirit. Right. And so, yeah, that that encourages me. Um, wow. And uh, so, someone also, they said, the years the locusts have eaten. When I went through the worst in that situation in Africa, yep. Yep. God would restore the years the God locusts have eaten. And That's I just right. held on to that. And <laughs> the, right. the the temple in, in Haggai chapter 2 has been a text for me during the pandemic. The glory in the later temple will be greater than the glory in Solomon's temple, right. the first temple, That's the great. later glory. You see, the second temple didn't have all the bling and the wow, and it wasn't as big. It's like, <laughs> no, but it had the presence of the Lord. Jesus That's stepped it. in the second temple. And, and I believe that um, we're not looking for outward bling anymore. Churches that are based on programs, it's not going to cut it. Churches that are based on their building and cool tech and lights, it's not going to cut it, right? Churches that are based on, you name it, it's not going to cut it. What's going to happen right now is churches where there's the presence of God, that's That's what people, they're not going to settle for less than that. And so that's that's what it's coming down to right now. And it's a testing and it's a fire, but just seek the Lord and we're going to walk through it. God's good. He really is. That's so good. That's so good. Well, Jesse, I love your spirit, man. I love you know, hearing your story and just hearing what God's done through that and what he's done out of it. And and again, how he's birthed these, these passions and this purpose. And uh, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And, and you're, you're, you've nailed it right there, right? That these habits that we form now, even in the middle of the Valley of the shadow of death, you can form these habits, right? Yes. It's, it's, it's great if you form it before you get into the Valley, cause those habits carry you through the Valley, but, it, but Amen. it's not too late right now to cultivate those habits. This is a great season to, in fact, maybe God's allowing some space for you to pull back and really put your eyes on him, cultivate these habits. And that's, what's going to lead to that flourishing. It's in a, it's in that private surrender to the Lord where he begins to put, um, some public influence then into your life. And so I, I can see that all over you, man. And I just appreciate you spending time with us. Where can we follow you? Where can we get some more of Jesse Bradley? 
Love to connect with anyone. Uh, during the pandemic, we created a website with some free resources on hope, on marriage, uh, video courses, it's free content, jessebradley.org. So we made that website. All my socials are on there. And then I'm at Grace Community Church in Seattle, graceinauburn.com. Love to, you know, again, hear from you. Check out live streaming on weekends. Davey, I want to say your questions are very insightful and they come from a heart of compassion. And I know you had me talk more of the time because you're doing a podcast interview, <laughs> but your voice. Voice, um, I've heard you speak, and your voice just connects heart to heart. It's for the Lord. It's deep. And I just want to encourage you, as you both are listening to people and drawing out people's stories, but also as you're equipping and building up, like, I'm so excited to see where this is going the next five years. Yeah, and thanks, if you man. just keep listening to the Lord, staying humble, like, let Him speak through you. God's gifted you, and He's really... Um, He's, he's put you together for a time like this, and uh, just keep wow. up the good work for the Lord. Thank you, man. That means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for spending time with us. This was such an honor, and I can't wait to connect again. Yeah, I loved it. I look forward to just, you know, our friendship and just your ministry, the fruit that's going to come. And I just encourage anyone today that if you're going through a time where you just feel beat up and you feel like so much has been removed, God is still there. You don't have to panic. And so often there's a loss or a pain or a brokenness before the rebuilding. And if we don't go through that pain, actually we won't get to where God wants us to go. And wow. uh, Jesus will walk with you. Oh, he'll walk with you. He, you can be honest with him. You can go deep with him yeah. and just, just hold on to Jesus. I'll, I'll close with Psalm 63, verse 8. You know, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And wow. you just hold on to Jesus, and he'll do amazing work of healing and restoration, provision, guidance. Uh, he, he's faithful. You, you, will, yeah. you will look back on your days and never regret that you walked with Jesus, listened to Jesus, talked about Jesus, told people about Jesus, received his healing. Like, that's it. That's what it's all about, and uh, we're on this journey together. No one stands alone. Davey's always yeah. available. Reach out to him, myself, <laughs> like, whatever, yeah. you know. We're, yeah. we're here. We're learning with you, lifelong That's learners. Right. So thank you so much, Davey. Well, I told you guys, you, you're going to be lit up. <laughs> you're <gonna> be <laughs> you're running around your room right I'm now doing you, a church lady dance, Get off dance, the treadmill probably. right now, please. <laughs> You're going to just need to take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely, you can tell he's an athlete, right? Like Absolutely. he's got that kind of coach <clears throat> mentality. Yep. But I, I do appreciate in Jesse's story, I mean, I, I don't appreciate that he went through chronic pain for 10 years, but yeah. I, I think we, we've we featured folks who have had right. you know chronic pain. I know we had Luann Huska on the show, mm-hmm. but I, I think in general, we when we talk about pain, we talk about these instances that happened right. that cause pain and sometimes long-term, but we don't necessarily talk about that, especially physical, chronic pain right. that just you learn to live with day yeah. in and day out. And I know uh, you've talked about before, Christy's daughter has an autoimmune disease. You guys right. have worked hard to, to really support her. I've got rheumatoid arthritis, and the yeah. Lord has been so faithful to me. I'm doing great now, but I mean, there were years, Davey, when that first came on, I mean, probably like four years yeah. straight when just every day I was like, I 
oh, all I do is live in pain. Yeah. I don't know what it's like Man. not to live in pain. And sometimes I wouldn't even think about it because the pain was like white noise in the background of my life. Right. But then if I started to think, I can't do that. Like it would wreck you. And it wrecked Kevin because I wasn't the wife that, you know, I really wanted to be for him. And I'm sure you felt out of control too. He's like, well, how do I help? What do I do? You know, husbands by nature, we're fixers, you know? Right, right, right. How do I fix this? Right. I, I just, you know, that, that was a really hard period, but I do, I do appreciate something that Jesse kind of talked about on a different level with like partnership for the kingdom, even in chronic pain, you know, partnership and collaboration, like we could not have done it without our church coming around us, our friends coming around us, my mom coming and live with us for a time. Like that was how we healed was through other people, frankly. Yeah, you have to. And, you know, you use that term collaboration, which feels like a very professional workplace type term, right? right? right. But, but you know, essentially, you know, Aubrey, that's one of the places the Lord has me quite a bit right now is, Mm. you know, I have always been, I've always been the guy as an entrepreneur, you know, my, almost my whole life who's just kind of figured things out by myself in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was the kid that didn't want to do group projects because I'm like, Oh, I, I'm going to do it right. You know? And so I'm going to take on all of the work myself and all the responsibility <laughs> myself. And then there were some people in my group who they would, you know, they would take advantage of that. Advantage right? of they that. Would, they wouldn't do that. that. I'm like, Your oh, partners well, loved you. Davey's got it. Yeah, exactly. But you know, the Lord is really stretching me right now um, in, in, mm. in leading nothing is wasted and some other areas of my life. And the idea of like, Hey, the, you've got to work with other people. Hmm. You've got to collaborate. And I think one of the biggest things that he showed me, one of the biggest seasons he showed me that was after losing Amanda and trying to navigate the the valley of the shadow of death. You cannot do that by yourself. Wow. You cannot wow. do it by yourself. And so one of the biggest deep holy discontents I have is when I interact with people who I realize, man, they don't have other people around them mm. right now. Wow. And, and I'm not mad at that person. I want so badly for that person to experience yeah. the power of healing community, the power yeah. of other people coming around you, you know, and it's the whole reason we started nothing is wasted ministries. And the whole reason we continue to, provide resources and our community platform and stuff, because we want for those of you who are out there that you, you don't know where to turn. You don't know who who to look to Mm -hmm. when you're walking through this stuff. Yeah. Um, We, we want to help provide that for you. We think everybody should have access to that. Yeah. And, and so that, that, that idea of collaboration, there is a team that you have to put around you. Mm. And there are some intentional roles within that team, some, Mm. some experts, so to speak, that will give you a different perspective than what you have and that can help move you forward um, when you feel stuck. Davey, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'm just thinking too, like I I tend to struggle with being kind of an individual. Like yeah. I can do it on my own. And part of that I know is because we're fours and threes on the yeah. Enneagram and we're, we're individuals, <laughs> yeah, right. right? We're individualistic. But I also know that's very, for the for those of us who are listening from North America, like that's a very American, very like I am an yep. independent individual. Yep. That's not really very biblical. No, it's not like, at all. Throughout scripture, we see like... Uh, yeah. Plural, we see communal, yep. we see global. Exactly. And so I I guess I wonder can, can you talk about like how do we even make that switch in our minds when it's so ingrained in us as Americans? Well, I you know, honestly, that's a really good question. I wish I knew how to make that switch because yeah. we've grown up indoctrinated in the western totally. culture. 
And even just the little bit of what you dig into in Eastern, especially biblical culture, mm-hmm. and you realize what a communal, um, I mean, this sounds redundant, but a communal community those they, they right. were, right. where they there was so much of a shared lifestyle and they did things together. It took a village for anything, right? Yeah. That when you see the stuff they did, you're like, wow, that is wild how much they did life together mm-hmm. and they relied on each other for the resources mm-hmm. and and. And, and you look at our, and you juxtapose that with our life and you're like, I don't, I don't even know how to bridge that gap. And yet there's something so <laughs> desirable about that. Yeah. Right. There's so something true. so desirable. Like if anybody has experienced even just a, a semblance, a snapshot, a season of really rich community. Yes. You know, when you get a taste of it, you're like, I want that. Like, that's what totally. I want. I want to live totally. in that. I want to exist in that. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus is inviting us into, but I, it's going to be really difficult for a Western mindset to, to shift into that. And there's yeah. going to have to be some drastic things that, uh, you know, lifestyle changes as well as just like structural system changes mm-hmm. for the church to start operating in a different, a different way. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and which is why I love that, that we're, I don't want to act like we're paving the way, but I love that you're taking this on at Nothing Is Wasted, mm-hmm. that we're, we do collaborate with other people. And then, of course, we have the community platform, the Community Plus platform, where right. literally we're like, here, we want to give you a community yeah. as, right. as part of your healing well, journey. Like, for instance, okay, so, you know, we there's a one of our community groups, so to speak, right, or one of our spaces on that community is Abortion, mm-hmm. Regret, and Recovery. Mm. Well, that's that is led or spearheaded by this wonderful leader who, who has her own nonprofit that helps women who are journeying through abortion, regret and recovery, right? Serena Dykeson, you've heard her on the podcast before. She's amazing. We, we don't have any kind of like, there's, there's not kind of any, and and this is, this gets a little bit into the minutia, but there's, I'm not her boss, right? Like just because she's on nothing is like, that's kind of the arrangement that we've decided is like, let's just collaborate together because what we realized is that organizations like hers and hope family care ministries, whether, you know, Jeff and Mackenzie Rollins and some, you know, Joanna, um, Joanna Denstadt's organization that she, you know, she's working with folks who've gotten cancer diagnoses and caretakers mm-hmm. of cancer. Diagnoses. I mean, mm-hmm. all of these different people that we're just kind of in partnership and collaboration with, we're just trying to like lock arms and help people. So cool. And whatever we can do, you know? And so, Certain times and seasons, yeah, maybe I like put on a leader hat and kind of forge the way, but it's more like sure. a frontiersman, like, hey, here's we go. And then and then other times it's like Jeff Rollins is putting on this leader hat, like, hey, I think we should go in this direction. So we, we're just collaborative, collaboratively trying to serve you and help you. And I think somehow, I don't know, so it just, it's refreshing. It really I is totally refreshing agree. for, for, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's the right way by any means. I'm just saying that it's, it, it, it is a little bit in response to, we don't, I don't want to just. Hey, I, there's the leader right here, and everything just kind of cascades mm. on the org chart from there. That's not how we want to set this yeah. ministry up. Yeah, um, and I think there's a lot of power to that, and I think that is one of the reasons why God is growing this thing so yeah. fast. Yeah, I think so too. You can, by the way, find out more about the community platform, the Community Plus platform, all the resources that we have to offer for your healing at nothingiswasted.com/community. As always, we want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries at Davy Blackburn at Obsamp. And we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Next week, whoo, I am looking Ooh. forward to next week, Davy. We have a powerful, powerful conversation with Tiffany Bloom, yeah. uh, who's 
going into some deep, important yeah, territory absolutely. about abuse and women and how we can begin talking about that stuff. So I can't wait for our listeners to hear that. But let's go ahead and take a listen to part of our conversation with Tiffany Bloom. Well, let me tell you, Davey, I'm the girl who played by all the rules. Uh, Purity culture, I was like, sign me up. Everything that the (laughs) church had to offer, that evangelical culture had to offer, I was I was for it because I figured if if church sets all the rules and this is what it means to follow Jesus if I do everything right surely I'll a be rewarded b be seen and c be cared for. And so as somebody who's an Enneagram 3 high achiever learner <laughs> want to charge the hill I'm right there with you here we go. I was <laughs> I was unpleasantly surprised when I thought I did all the right things and my world came crashing down around me. 